Let's see how that works. Okay, there we go. I feel good about this volume, about Let's, this level. Yeah? Yeah, even though, I mean, yeah, see right there? It's just jumping at you. Coming at you! It's, are you going to turn me? You turn me down. Little, little too hot for Papa Seth. All right, that's fine. Because you get pretty emotive, and I think this is going to be... It's going to be another one of those cases, my friend. i got to express myself. This might... No. Look. <coughs> I'm not here to tell you you can't. Let's get those out ahead of time. Um, no, this is uh, this is one I think that I might... Uh, I'm, I can contain myself, and we're going to have a real down-to-earth-level-headed, even-keeled discussion about lyrics. To go. <clears throat> All right. Uh Christ Almighty, it just doesn't end. All right, fuck it. The the the, the little things about this fucking song just don't end. Yeah, they I, go that's... on. There's like another thing that goes with everything. Yeah, and and there's just so much of a story to the band. <laughs> All right, it's amazing. Okay, I'm doing this. All right, well, let's do. <laughs> Wait, aren't we doing this? We're doing this. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. A deep dive. Breaking where... the mold. <laughs> Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now. I'm Mark, and I'm here with Seth. How are you? Mark, like a big box of peeps over there. You're supposed to peep. <laughs> yeah, I know. I decided Come on, to, I, ever since Lee brought it up, I think someone mentioned to me that it seemed like I keep trying to go higher every week, and now I'm getting my own mind. So I figured I'd try going with a deep dive. Oh no, no, but you gotta just, keep going with yeah. that Mariah yeah. frequency gotta, up top. Yeah, man. I gotta get that whistle register. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. How it's hard to be bad on a day like today. Oh, it's beautiful out. It is gorgeous. Um, Nut fleecing weather. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You said you got your all your coughs out, and we all both know I that's know. a fucking lie. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, what Maury, am I supposed to Maury, do? You want me to apologize need, week after week? We, we don't need Maury here. I want you to. I want you to get that sorted out. I worry as about soon you. as I can. You said you have a doctor's appointment. I do. It's coming up next week. It, do you know how? You okay. know the system. You okay. know how it works, man. It takes I forever. Do. America. I know how the system works. Um. Yes, it is. It is about as wintry as it gets normally here in Florida. It is one thirty on a Saturday that we are recording uh, the year of our Lord twenty twenty three, uh, and it is fifty seven degrees outside. Mm. Uh, we got Seth here in his long johns. He's got so, he looks like uh, he's got the Columbia long sleeve shirt that I always wear. He's got the long track track pants, track um, pants, track pants to tranquilize him <laughs> to keep him. Uh, as docile as best. Um, did you I've, do you remember the the clip of someone talking about how they meet the skunk ape and they say, "How would you describe it?" And he says, "Docile." Oh yeah, that's uh, that's Kevin Sheely. Docile. That's 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 uh, Kevin Sheely. Oh okay, that's the guy from the Skunk Ape Research Downer. Uh, <laughs> there you uh, go. Uh, 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 research Center down in Ochopee. I I love how. You know everything about Florida. Docile. It's unreal. Well, if just to let the listeners know, if you ever make it to Florida and you go past Naples and you start to head down towards Everglades City, if you pass State Road 29 and US 41, which is Carnistown, that's what it's called, and you continue to follow US 41 southwest, you will pass a big, gigantic, massive fiberglass panther. And then right next to that panther, it's about 30 feet long, 20 feet high, Next to that is a giant skunk ape, Bigfoot of the Everglades, and it is Kevin Sheely's 
Skunk Ape Research Center. Check it out. It's definitely worth going to. There you go. You heard it here first. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about the Skunk Ape Research Center. We're not? We're not here to talk about track pants. Oh, I could go into detail. Mm, not fleeting. And then we're not here. Well, we are here to talk about deep dives, I guess. This time. We are here to talk about the hit song by Third Eye Blind. And it was. It was a hit song. Yeah. Semi-charmed life. And Mark, this is a situation where we have no choice in discussing the song to go into a deep dive because there is so much to go into and the lyrics lend so much to the talk. Yeah, what's your relation to this song? Um, It was late 90s. Like everything that came out on the radio at the time, I hated it. I just dismissed it. I thought it was bad. There were a couple of like U2 songs that were popular at that time that I didn't like, even though I like U2. There was, um, I remember that this came out at around the same time as that Verve Pipe song. We were merely freshmen, Uh you know, and I was, uh, you know, Eve Six, stuff like that. And uh, I didn't really, I didn't really like almost, I I, kind of dismissed all of that stuff because I was way too cool for it at the time. I was listening to the Flying Burrito Brothers and Country Rock and Sebado and Pavement and thought that I was just too damn cool for school. Now these days I hear these songs and I miss, I hear things that I missed that made me go, you know what, that, that shit's there's some redeeming qualities to it, specifically in the music, in in what was played. Um, This song, if you take away, in my opinion, if you take away the topic, you could even add the same cadence to the lyrics. If you take away the topic, if you take away maybe the person, I'm not sure about this. We're going to work out how I feel, but I do feel this about the music. That's some damn good music. Those guitar parts are good. It is a very, 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 very infectious song. Yeah. This thong. This this thong. This thong. (laughs) I got to see it. You guys didn't. It's a podcast. (laughs) This thong right here, Seth. This thong. This very one that I'm wearing. (laughs) The one that's trying to hold back all this beef. (laughs) Um, This song is uh, just... as 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 soon as I started listening to it today for this podcast... I went, oh, no. Really? Because I know it's going to be stuck with me. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, it's the kind of song you wish you could just listen to and and cut it out. But I'm going to be doot, doot, dooting in my head for the next three weeks. With me now, it's the... Yeah. I mean, that that guitar part is catchy. It's it's, it's like all... It's it's all there. It's good. It's good music. I hate. I don't, I don't want to say it because of my feelings about it before, but you have to say it. This is these these. I don't know if it was the singer himself, Stephen Jenkins. We'll be going into detail about him, but if it was the guitar player and the musicians around him, goddamn, they were pretty good at coming up with good guitar parts and drums and bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Stephen Jenkins. Let's talk a little bit about the beginning of Third Eye Blind. Just and to hear. Here and we go. I know we generally just talk about the song, but we always like to give a little bit of a lead up. Um, so Stephen Jenkins in the early nineties is part of a rap duo, which, you know, obviously if you've heard the song, which I'm guessing everyone has heard the song, whether you listened to it when we announced it last week, or you're just a human being who's mm-hmm. alive, um, was a part of a, a interracial rap duo as it's put in Wikipedia mm-hmm. called Puck and Natty. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended up having to change their name, um, because of legal issues from a group called Tuck and Patty. So they changed their name to Puck and Zen. Anthony Chun was his rapping partner, which leads me to believe <clears throat> that Stephen Jenkins's name was uh, Puck 
was his nickname, I guess, his rap name. Sure. Um, ended up buying uh, Anthony Chun out of the musical stuff they had worked on. Well, I think it deserves to mention first that they recorded a song that appeared on Beverly Hills 90210, and that's where all of their... It wasn't even really fame. That's where any of their modest success happened throughout their existence. And then it went on to, you know, make them, I guess, uh, a little bit of money to buy a couple of things. Nothing nothing spectacular. But then... <clears throat> and one of yeah. the things they had worked on was a song called Semi-Charmed Life. Oh, that this... Oh, okay. So he bought okay. Anthony Chun out of all the music stuff and basically said, these songs are all mine. Okay, okay. I believe I remember seeing the uh, number was $10,000. I'm not sure... If I'm misremembering that, so if I am, I yes, apologize. Yes, you are. You are seeing that correctly. You are right. Um, so then he goes, "Well, I'm going to start a rock band," and he starts getting people together for a band called, who will later be called, Semi Charm. Yeah, Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind. <laughs> Whatever. The the two are, for some reason are so. How's that podcast feel working? <laughs> they're they're, they're so uh, <laughs> they're so intertwined. Well, yeah, they are. <clears throat> um, that semi charm band. So mm-hmm. a lot of per- people, I'm sure, how a lot of purple refer to them. We're going to get this worked out. This whole enunciation thing, Mark. Yeah. Um, they went through a number of drummers, include, including man, I can't talk today. <laughs> including Stephen Bowman, who ended up drumming for Counting Crows, mm-hmm. and Michael Urbano, who dram- uh, played drums for Smash Mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, started working away on their first album which was their eponymous debut called third Third eye blind Blind. um and a bunch of people around here that i knew um loved that band and loved that album um including past guest patrick norris we have a friend we do um and i thought about asking him on but i figured he'd it would be too hard to have him talk any shit about this song um the album was released in 1997, uh, and the first single was this song. At first, it was not going to be released for reasons that you will find out when we start going through the lyrics, because mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was a little too racy. And to be honest with you, I thought I remembered it being edited a little more heavily, um, but apparently there was only one part that was really edited, and we watched the music video before this and heard the edit. Um, um, it was produced now, Stephen Jenkins is, has credit as full songwriter for this song and he definitely worked on it early on. Um, their old guitarist, Kevin Cadigan, um, has disputed the song's authorship through, uh, litigation, which ended up being thrown out. I wonder, you know, we obviously don't have the transcripts, transcripts from the from the court uh, case here, but I wonder, you know, what was his case? Was it because he wrote the music or that's, I'm thinking that's what he probably based his case on because going through these lyrics and knowing what we know about Stephen Jenkins, you can come to a safe conclusion that Stephen wrote these lyrics. He, he came up with these and, and, and I have to think that, um, that this guitarist is probably saying, Hey, I came up with this music. I, th- I, I believe that he probably did. Uh, from the catchiness of everything on this record, um, everything on this record, it it is all super catchy. And then you know they they re- released a bunch of albums after this that just didn't do very much. But that this this right here, 
I'm thinking that this guitar player might have a case for, you know, at least a little bit of the royalties, at least a little bit of Third Eye Blind being called his own. <clears throat> well, you know, when you start with a song that was written, you know, and, and take it from me who has worked with a number of songwriters who bring fully finished songs where um, I, less as a songwriter and more as an arranger, will sometimes give ideas to enhance songs but not be the songwriter, where, <clears throat> you know, he may have come and, you know, had the chords, but someone else came with the idea to do the you know, to break it up like that or something and said, well, you know, you came with and I I gave it this rhythm and like maybe even threw in a couple like hammer ons or whatever to spice it up. And like you said, that becoming one of the most noticeable things about the song. Absolutely. Um there were even some um, rumors going around that another guitarist, Tony Fredianelli, <laughs> um, had um, oh had written the hook, and he had previously auditioned for them. Hmm. Um, at the end of the day, producer Eric Valentine claimed that Semi Charmed Life quote had, and this is kind of what I was getting at, been around for many years. There were a lot of people who contributed to that tune and didn't get credit. And I think that's kind of, <clears throat> at the end of the day, what we're dealing with. When you're in a band temporarily, there are things that, there are ideas and stuff that I came up with, bands that I played with, and then I wasn't playing with them anymore, and they still use that idea. Did that put sand in your craw? No. No? Because, I mean, you know, what do you expect them to do? If, if they like the part and you were there and you did it, you know, I'm sure the same thing has happened with you, with certain people. Um, you know, and it is what it is. Like you just try to make the songs as good as you can. And it's, you know, it's almost like being brought on as a, um, you know, as a producer to at least temporarily make the band better. Rick Rubin doesn't go around going, Hey, wait a minute. I'm not producing your next album. So give me back that lick. Like, it's just when you're in the band, part of the reason for you to be in a band is to make the songs better in hopes that you'll stay in the band forever. Um, and you're not going to be in the band forever sometimes. And those ideas don't vanish. You know, you that was just part and parcel to being in the band. I've been able to extrapolate some graceful satisfaction from just sitting back and hearing those parts and going, yeah, I did that. But at the same time, those songs didn't make thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, yeah. so I'm just wondering, you know, in, in this guy's case, exactly how. You know, he took it how he how these people, you know, a, a good example is real quick. The um, one of the most fa what would you say is the most famous song by Leonard Skinner? Uh, Freebird or Simple Man. Sweet I home, mean, Sweet Home, Sweet Alabama. Home Alabama. Definitely the most famous lick that it was ever oh, yeah. part of the band. And it was part of it was it was written by a guy that was only in the band for about 10 minutes. He play he wrote it, it, put it on the record and then essentially was, you know, done. He wasn't in the band anymore. Of course, he got paid from it, you know, but it, it, I, I, he he did some interviews later on in life that, you know, gracefully he was able to sit back and say, you know, hey, I did my part and that was it. He also got paid for it. So it was probably easy for him to do. Well, this is a tricky situation because the song, I, I don't know if it, how it was in that situation, but if the song was written around the lick, I think that's one thing. Yeah. If Stephen Jenkins brings a song, which as much as I hate Stephen Jenkins, and I hate Stephen Jenkins. Wow, okay. Um, <clears throat> That's a foreshadowing to what you're going to hear, you, folks. You cannot dispute the fact that he brought the song first. He okay. brought the song to okay. them. So 
if something is added, like a production, like I'm saying, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I wrote a song and Mike was to come in and sing it and then be like, well, that's my song, I would be upset. But most songs Mike brings and then I go, do this in 6-8 instead of 4-4 four, four, mm-hmm. or do this. I'm not going to be like, well, that's now my song. I don't, I just want to make this clear. I do not blame Cadigan for shooting his shot. He came in asking for 25% of royalties. I think he was kind of like poker chipping it. Mm. I think he was kind of trying okay. to like, you know, bet an amount that he thought he could kind of get under the radar. Like, yeah, yeah. all right, tw- what's the amount where I can get you to call knowing I have the nut flush? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. he was trying to kind of like get get them to just go, okay, you know what? Like, just take it. You want 25%, yeah. fine, no big whoop, but... Um, it ended up being thrown out. That the lawsuit was terminated through voluntary dismissal with prejudice. What's wow? I wonder what that means. I don't know what the hell that means. Yeah. If you're a lawyer, please let us know. Um, I'm not going to read the article about it, but um, it probably means that uh, he has a reason to think that he did it because maybe Stephen had something money. on him or something. You know, maybe. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So this song was originally written, uh, he was working on this song, Stephen Jenkins, along with Linda Perry. Are you familiar with Linda Perry? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. They were playing music with each other and playing the, the, the early version for this song wow. and the early version for What's Up while they knew each other while they were living in San Francisco, just two songwriters. If you're not familiar with Linda Perry, you are familiar with the song, I'm sure, What's Up by Four Non Blondes. She has on? also gone on to be a hugely prolific songwriter she works behind the scenes now with pink and a number of other songwriters yeah she i mean she is a gigantic songwriter now she did beautiful with christine aguilera which in my opinion is a that song is outstanding yeah out fucking standing yeah um yeah it's it's a good song and now what's up people's maybe uh, not so much well uh, yeah i mean another one of those catchy ones i'm not really into that i don't uh, that song always irritated me and i've gone back over it recently I still am not a fan. Yeah. yeah well, take it from someone who did live band karaoke where oh, we had that right. song on there. <laughs> we had to do that song. That and Zombie were two songs. Ooh. Zombie, another song that we might have to be doing here in the very near future. Mark. And I trust Seth, someone brought it up to me. Fletcher and Kristen brought it up to me. And I said, well, I'll basically get two words in. <laughs> Seth is going to go off on a fucking tangent. I'm not going to go off on a tangent. Oh, yeah, you will. I can go off on what that song is about and give you a million that's, reasons. That's the tangent I'm talking and about. And give you a million reasons why things in there are questionable at best. And a tangent is going away from the topic. Okay. Well, fair. Okay. Yeah. Well, then a 14-hour Dissertation. Monologue. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That I would... You can, you know... We'll talk about that one in the future. Let's let's save that might, one. For I might later. have to try and cut some of this to, to <laughs> keep you guessing. Why would we keep this? In? Um, this song. So, Stephen Jenkins. Okay. Can you yes. talk to me, Mark? Tell me what you know about Stephen Jenkins. Other than he ran in the room and ruined the game for everybody that day. <laughs> Stephen Jenkins. To be that's uh, no that was Leroy uh, Jenkins. Leroy Jenkins. That's right. <laughs> But he does ruin it for me. I can't tell you a whole lot about him. To be honest with you, I've never wanted to know a whole lot about him. Okay. Ever since I just like. <sighs> he just comes off like such a fucking scumbag. Comes off as? I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me. 
He is such a fucking scumbag. Presents himself as <laughs> what he is. Thereby making himself. Which is a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah, he is um he's just a cocky um a lot of people say it's not cockiness if you can't back it up. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, it's still people, cockiness. People can be good and can know they're good, but shut up about it. Um, he is just God. And some of the lyrics in the song and some of the lyrics he writes in general, he just exudes this persona that is the anti-Mark. It's like, I feel like most of what he feels and, and says and thinks is so antithetical to everything I want the world to be. I could say that's fair. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm sure he's like a liberal guy. Um, Doesn't matter. But, yeah, uh, he just seems like the kind of guy that, like, uh, only cares about gay rights when hot women are kissing. Mm. <laughs> he seems like the guy, <laughs> kind of guy who just, like, uh, I don't know. He seems like a poor tipper. He seems like he tips, like, 7%, and he's like, that's because the service was good. <laughs> he seems just like a... A derp. I mean, does he seem like Hitler? No. Does he seem like Trump? No, not that bad. But he's on the chaotic evil side of liberal. He's like Chet from Back to the Future. <laughs> okay. He's, okay. I mean, he's just he's he's uh I mean, you you could I think that if you just look at him and never heard any one 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 note of the music, one lyric, you'd look at him and go, boy, that guy's probably a real shithead. Right. I mean, really, that's uh, I, I when I started, I'll make this quick. When I started, uh, you know, reading the lyrics and going over the lyrics, I started to read more about the band. Of course, we all do that. I tried to do a little bit of homework before this. And when I did, I thought it was going to be a little bit. And then I started being directed toward podcasts that talked about this guy. My favorite thing that was said about him was that one guy said that he is what if Quentin Tarantino could design his own GTA character, this is what he would look like. Um, and, and I, I think that's, I think that's probably pretty accurate. He looks like he was, uh, produced by AI. If you were just to get the, the <laughs> picture, you know, of what he looks like, yeah. he was, you know, that he was produced that way. And maybe his personality was created that way as well. And then they went into deeper about how he was raised in Palo Alto and he had all this privilege. And of course, and I started to get this Monahan type vibe from him, um, which of course we all know would turn Mark off immediately. Um, and then a very uh, it said that it said that uh, his high school yearbook quote was uh, success. All it takes is everything that you've got. Oh my god! And uh, and this one of the one of the um, podcasts that I was listening to just kind of themed the rest of the episode based on that one quote. He started to go into detail about quotes, actual quotes. This is so funny because I was actually looking up Stephen Jenkins quotes because I knew there would be quotes from him that would make me so angry. Not so of it's him. very funny. Not of him. No, 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 no. I know. But like. Oh, you're getting there. A lot of times people's quotes are based off of quotes they're into. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they have a similar philosophy when they're into quotes. They usually end up kind of regurgitating quotes they're into. Well, I mean, quotes I, ab about him from other rock stars that we've heard the guy from Eve Six, uh, Rob Thomas, of course, of, uh, of Robert Thomas. Santana fame. Um, you know, uh, yeah, Robert Thomas. Uh, it just and Mark, Rob in, Thomas of Matchbox Twenty fame. We should say, not yeah, just of well, Santana uh, fame. That's I think that's how much a little bit known for so his smooth. It's three a.m. I must be lonely. lonely. Which oddly sounds a little bit like sometimes this i don't know if they how what influence or how much well, they they're definitely off coming each from other. the same the same area 
um, and the same time, same you know feeling. But there same was same white dudes doing the same thing, <laughs> same privileged dudes. It is shocking how many people in the industry hate this man. He is despised. It seems like he went oh, went out of his way to go down a list of music industry people and piss off individually every single one of them. They all have a story about something that he did. In terms of the dark lyrics and the catchy tune, I was just messing with whatever the paradigm was. I've always had a mischievous nature in that way. Bruh. I'm not a formulaic writer. I don't have some cookie-cutter method. It's whatever is provoking me at the moment. I'm so glad that he thinks so much of himself. God. It's really <laughs> it's so it's infuriating. <laughs> you know, I said all of the stuff I said before, you know, making some jokes about, you know, the kind of person he seems. He seems like he would be a white rapper who in the 90s wrote a song about drug addiction and then really pat himself on the back a bunch about it. Or he did that. Oh, he did exactly oh, okay. what you're well, talking about. Oh, well then perfect. He did exactly. Then perfect. So let's talk a little bit more pointedly about this song, if we can. Okay, we can yeah, a couple right. a couple things that I did not know that apparently seem like they were major knowledge. The doot doot doots in the song are a direct steal, a direct relation to "Walk on the Wild Side" by Lou Reed. Is that a quote? Yes. Okay. He did say that um, uh, the doot 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 chants uh, present throughout the song being directly inspired. By Reed's song, mm. he referred to this song as the the San Francisco walk on the wild side, which um, is hmm. not in my eyes. I mean, if you're, I mean, we should talk about walk on the wild side yeah. at some point, probably. But I mean, since we don't know, because I'm starting to learn more and more that people just don't know about what lyrics are. In songs a lot of the time. Yeah. And if you're unfamiliar with the song Walk in the Wild Side, which you've definitely heard, it is about trans people in New York in the 1960s. That came from F uh, Miami, FLA. Yeah. Yeah. Hitchhiked their way across the USA. Um, And so to say that this song about what we're going to talk about is in relation at all to talking about the lives of of transient trans trans people this is a song that is talking about these people and and what their lives are like and to sit there and say that this song about well we'll get into it here very soon uh is at all on equal merit um to what walk on the wild side is about is artistically to me, it's not <clears throat> uh i think that when um when lou reed wrote those lyrics uh, even by and large, the people that were involved in that looked at what they were being involved with. Please do not take this. Do not take this offensively. This was just a time. This was at the time period. They looked at it as a what would be referred to as a degenerative lifestyle. That's that's bad. You and I both know that that's not the case. That's not right. bad. People that do this are not bad people. At the time, it was referred to that way. I think that Stephen Jenkins is looking at it in regards to I am singing about a degenerative lifestyle in San Francisco at the time. I think that I'm, I do not want to defend this guy. No, no, no. Do no. not think for one minute I'm defending him. I think what he did is not very great. Uh, definitely. Um, I, uh, Lou Reed, it was a completely different thing. If you know his motivations and what was going on in his head, he had completely different reasons for writing this song. Whereas I think Stephen Jenkins 
was just a shithead that liked to take advantage well, and of that's, people. And that's the difference here yeah. is I think that Lou Reed hung out with trans people. He kind of was. And did not yeah. give a flying shit. If you yes. know anything about his history in the Velvet Underground, hanging out with Andy Warhol and, you know, this artistic bunch, they did not care. I mean, he is referring to these people as she. Yes. Um, and, you know, talking about, um, you know, it with giving it a sense of normalcy, putting it on the radio in a lot of places. This is not an episode at all about Walking the Wild Side, but... You know, Stephen Jenkins is just being exploitative. Well, and I mean, and he's, I want to say to an extent, I don't kind of glorifying it sort of. Yes. In a way. Yes, um, he is. And he's not. When we get into and, this, and, you'll see it. And no one in the world is going the poor. I mean, all right, I'm just going to come out and say it. The song is about crystal meth addicts. No one out there is saying like the poor, poor crystal meth addicts can't, you know, get married or can't change the uh the sex on their driver's license now that is not to say at all that i have an issue you know people that have crystal meth addictions or any other kind of addiction should be able to get the help they need etc but the the world of trans people and the world of crystal meth addicts are two disparate worlds with very disparate kinds of issues and so to sit there and say i'm talking about what you know, ends up being about a bunch of his friends at a Primus concert high on crystal meth. Man, this song is exactly like <laughs> the Bay Area's version of a song about taking a peek behind the curtain of this um, this lifestyle that people were trying to hide yes. in the 1960s and 1970s. Yes. That's no, that no, no you that don't part get to fucking do that. You yes. don't get to do that. You don't get to say that this is our times and San Francisco's version of walk on the wild side. It's short-sighted. It's, it's exploitative. It, and it's, and it's wildly offensive to, you know, people that probably heard walk on the wild side and said, Oh my God, finally representation of something I'm in now. Good God. I might be fucking completely wrong. I have not researched walk on the wild side, but I know a fair amount about Lou Reed and I know the song pretty well. And I, I think that I'm right when I'm saying all this stuff. You are. I know there's some lyrics like uh, shave your legs and then he was a she. And I don't know, you know, if some of this stuff was just outdated or or what. And I know there's some stuff in there. And again, like I said, I, I, I'm i just kind of talking myself in circles now. I don't know how much of this stuff is offensive, was offensive, and, and isn't anymore or vice versa. But right. I'm just saying that the... The difference between these songs is so stark. I don't think you've disrespected anybody, and I think that Stephen Jenkins might have. I, I so, think that's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, and I mean, so, of course, he may just be referring just alone to the dude, dude, dudes. But when I heard, when I read that, when I read that that was what he um, what he considered it, I was just pretty much blown away. Now he said, Mark said something a little bit revealing earlier that we're going to get to now, in that the song was written in response to what Jenkins said was his observation of friends who had partaken for the first time in crystal meth at a Primus concert. Uh. Now I heard that he did too, that he did it with them, and he said that like three weeks later they were all just out looking to get score more speed you know that was that was their life after that so yeah two things i want to say to this one you bring up a very very good point which is that we have talked in in the past with like matthew hoffman mm-hmm. about whether songs are autobiographical or if songs are about a, a third party or about you know a made up person mm-hmm. i think we're dealing with one of those situations where mr jenkins 
is trying to make it sound like he's writing about someone else. I think the song is... This is first person. ...kind of about Stephen Jenkins. Well, I mean, like, people write in third person. No, this is him. This uh, is autobiographical. Well, first person. <laughs> However you want to say it, this is him. He went through this. I oh, think so. I think so, too. Yeah. I think that he's, you know... So we can we can play along as if he's talking about somebody else, but uh, there's enough weird stuff and enough interesting stuff in this song where it doesn't matter, but kind of have a feeling between you and me. I think this song is about Stephen Jenkins himself. Mm. Um, the other thing I want to mention is, I believe I mentioned in the past about oh, how... <laughs> so Stephen Jenkins can't hear. Um, the other Please thing I want to mention is... Uh, I've talked in the past, I believe, about how sometimes it sucks being a Primus fan mm, uh, because yeah. you get lumped in with other Primus fans. Yeah. As soon as I read this was at a Primus <laughs> show, I went, ah, oh, fuck. I have never touched missile, Crystal Mistle Craft. Okay. Crystal Meth, have you, Mark? I have never touched Crystal Meth. <laughs> okay, Meth, good. Figuratively or literally. Don't I've lump never... us in, please. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge Primus fan. Uh, famously, Seth and I went and saw Primus together. Oh, you reignited. Not a lick of Crystal Meth between the two of us, I promise yeah. you. Um, At least I think. Yeah. You didn't slip it to me that night, did you? I did not. Okay, no, thank you. No. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that, so, the secret's out. The song is about crystal meth addiction. And, quote, the feeling that your life is always about to change and never reliable, which, you know, I don't know if that's 100% sure. I mean, I guess the only constant is change, but um, I don't think it's going to change as much as some of the stuff he's talking about. Um, you know, he, spe- he mentioned specifically about the song being about the changes with him and his friends from uh, being in schooling from kindergarten all the way to college. And now they're out of school and, you know, everything is different. And so go to a Primus concert and uh, do a bunch of speed, I guess. (laughs) That'll make it so you can sell 17 million records. (laughs) There's the formula, guys. Just head out and do that. It's that easy. Um well, should we? Uh, we got to get to the man. We've, we've got to get to these lyrics. It has to happen at this point. Now, yeah. now that now that we're here and we've kind of given away, uh, I did, like what I we just said, real quick. To. Seventeen million records. Tons of people listen to this. Tons of people know the goddamn record. The, the record spawned so many other songs. The Graduate, which God, every one of them. I'm thinking back on how much I didn't like listening to them at the time. Graduate has a great guitar part. Dude, graduate the freshman is another one of those super depressing songs. Well, freshman the is graduate pipe. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you were talking about it earlier. The graduate, I was never a big fan of. Actually, um, I can't remember the song I'm thinking of. Can I graduate? graduate? That's I can't stand that. Song. You don't like that no, song? No, no, no. The guitar part. I don't like the. It's, uh, it's and like almost every one of them, you could say I don't like the words, but. The the music can't stand it. You don't. Um, you can't stand the music. However, I think it's good. losing a whole year, which okay. was almost their first single. Yeah, I like that song, and I loved Jumper. Jumper has good lyrics. I mean, not lyrics, but good music. Um, I'll, I'll once again say that now these days when I listen to it, I recommend it, but I turn it off every time because that fucking song. I don't. I don't. I don't like songs about suicide. Fair enough. I don't like songs about suicide at all. It just whenever I hear them, I turn them off. A <laughs> little bit of a downer. Yeah, well, a little bit. It's just I, I just too ho- close to home. So we get our drum fill in the mini- in the beginning. And then we get the guitar thing that Seth is all into. God, Something I think it's the happening. Indian food I ate before I before I recorded. I'm all mm. hot under the collar. Uh, and then we get our do 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 do. Which um, I'm looking at the genius annotation. And it says the "do do do" refrain is inspired by Lou Reed's "Walk on the Wild Side." 
another urban tale mm. of the drug addiction spiral that inspired this song. Mm. Uh, again, I, I think that that's, um, uh, I don't know. They do mention drugs in Walk on the Wild Side. Of course. So yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I'm packed and I'm holding. I'm smiling. She's living. She's golden. She lives for me. Says she lives for me. Ovation. Her own motivation. She comes around and she goes down on me. And I make her smile like a drug for you. Do ever what you want to do coming over you. Keep on smiling what we go through. One stop to the rhythm that divides you. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, we'll stop there. Yeah. Hit the e-brake. Yep. Yep. Because we're white boy rapping. <laughs> We're cooking through this bad boy. We're trying to yeah, make sense of what should be a different culture's way of expressing themselves in our own way. I'm packed and I'm holding, I'm smiling. And obviously this is in reference to I'm holding is whenever you're holding the drug. Whenever you're, you know, whenever I remember even when we talked about weed when I was younger and I used to do that stuff, somebody would say, you hold me, and do you got any weed to share with everybody else? So obviously that's what he's talking <laughs> yes. about. I do have to mention the genius annotation says, holding is a phrase used for being in possession of drugs. He's glad he's got those drugs. It's methamphetamine, <laughs> which Jenkins had an affinity for prior to and during the recording of this album. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. okay. Okay. Thank you. I just love how they say it's methamphetamine. Like, if you're wondering what drug it is, like an advertisement for it's it. It's meth. In bold <laughs> font. It's meth. <laughs> um, she's living. She's golden. She lives for me. She l- says she lives for me. So she lives for me. I, I kind of like this. She lives for me. Says she lives for me. So it, it kind of says he, he almost like stops himself. She's she's living. She's golden. She lives for me. Says she lives for me. A little bit of poetic insight going mm-hmm. on there, I yeah. think, because I do think that he's recognizing that this is probably, or we should listeners realize that this is probably someone else that is involved with methamphetamine. And when they get to that level, you know, they're going to be looking for whoever's holding. And she lives for him, not because he's a wonderful, awesome, great guy. We know that he's not. But he's holding the stuff at that particular time. She's going to live for him. I think he's got a little bit of insight here that is somewhat reasonably expressed. Yeah, he starts kind of realizing maybe she, maybe she is not. This is kind of like the heya moment. Maybe yeah. she's not as into me as as she says she is. She she says it, but does she mean it? Because of ovation, her own motivation. What's her motive? You know, it is. It's kind of. It's kind of. It, it kind of works in there, a way. There are some now. Then we get to well. Then we get to the then line that says, this. she comes round and she goes down on me, which I don't think we need, uh, we don't need Benoit Blanc from uh, from Knives Out here yeah, no to figure out what this, <laughs> this line means. No. She's giving him head. Yeah. Um, but then we get, th- some of the rest of this here, sounds like he's doing, um, you know, some classic Anthony Kiedis-esque, maybe not that bad, but who was it that we had someone who just kind of threw in words every once in a while? To fill in space, can't remember who it is, but we start getting some uh, some kind of questionable. And I make her smile like a drug for you. Do ever what you want to do, coming over you. Keep on smiling. What we go through. One stop to the rhythm that divides you. <clears throat> I, I can't help but think that he might be talking to the drug. There's something in this that makes me think that maybe. I mean, I'm not sure, but uh, and I make her smile like a drug for you, for you, for who? 
I think maybe he's talking, you know, he's like being ironic to the drug. Do whatever you want to do coming over you. Cause like the drum, the drug comes over a, the, the girl, like comes over the person when they take it. Keep on smiling what we go through. Like it's just going to put a smile on your face. It. I mean, I, 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 I feel like it makes it does this weird thing where it makes sense when you hear because it's like keep on smiling what we go through. It's like. Okay, I understand what you mean. You mean you, what you're trying. It's almost like someone coming from another lang- from another country and like speaking kind of broken English and being like, okay, I get what, what you're trying to say, but when you really break the line down, keep on smiling what we go through is terrible English. Yeah, it is. It is. That's like, not... It is cramming. It's, it, it is, you know what it is? It's lyrical. Why use more word when few word work? Like, it is just, I, I took out three or four different words that would have made the sentence whole. Or I have to fit it into the meter in some way, like crowbar it in there. Uh, yeah. I mean. According to singer, songwriter, and lyricist Stephen Jenkins, the lines held no hidden or, deep in me- hidden or deeper meaning. I wrote Semi-Charred Life about drugs and fucking. Coming over you is really just what it reports to be. She comes around and she come, goes God. down on me. God. It's not cryptic. There is an old um, English philosopher who once said that um, when trying to uh, dissect the motivations and the words and the meanings of other people, usually the simplest answer is the correct answer. And knowing what we know about this shithead coming over you just means him shooting his jizz all over her. And yep. that's what he said. So that English philosopher, I can't remember who it is, is correct. Which, again, it's like coming all over you, but instead he says coming over you. He's leaving out, like, <laughs> little things because it doesn't fit his his TikTok rhythm. Right. Um, he also says the song was always about falling apart, so it makes sense that perfection is the moment right before gravity comes back in. I like how no, he says... No. I like how he says <laughs> the song is about drugs and fucking... And then he says the song is always about was always about falling apart. So I guess drugs and fucking and falling apart are all <laughs> intertwined. Yeah, sure. In, some in a sort of in a devilish dance, Palo Alto logic and, once again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the yeah, exactly. On I mean, he says the song is always about falling apart, so it makes sense that the perfection is the moment right before gravity comes. Perfection is the moment when gravity comes back in. I would think the perfection is the furthest from when gravity comes back in. I think you have to take steps down before. You know, you went before you start to feel the weight, you know, in my opinion. I don't know. Um, do ever what you want to do. Not do whatever you want to do. Do ever what, what you, you want to do. do. I, it's another one of those, like, what the fuck is this mismatch? <laughs> like, we've been saying, singing this to ourselves for, for two decades, three decades without really thinking, like... I'm going to do ever what I want to do. <laughs> Coming over what I you. want to do. Coming over you. Coming all over you. One stop to the rhythm that divides you. I think he's. I know it sounds weird, but I think he's singing to the drug again. That's what I can't think. It's like, you know, it's it. I think he's saying, um, like when when the euphoria stops 
and the rhythm is gone, it divides you. Maybe that's what he's trying to say. Sure, man. Like, I mean, anyway. <laughs> I guess. I don't know, man. Time, uh, time's I'm, up. I'm not thinking about that fucking Absolutely. We've been stretching this out for a while. And I speak to you like the chorus to the verse. Chop another line like a coda with a curse. Come on like a freak show takes the stage. We give them the games we play, she say. Shall we fuck around with that part alone? Yeah. Uh, and I speak to you like the chorus to the verse. <laughs> I love that when we read these lyrics, we have the same kind of when we get to the end of the line, we're like, that's it. Like, it, yeah. And I speak to you like the chorus to the verse. I have some some magical rock star interplay, me and you. So this sounds like some jerk off stuff talk. about songwriting. Like, the, the, the it sounds like, you know, someone <laughs> meeting San Francisco, like in a songwriting group, that would be like, the chorus is going to talk to the verse. It's going to speak to it. You're working on your degree in psychology. So do I. So am I. Listen, I have a few words to say to you before I try to get you and beg and force feed drugs to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, that's pretty much what it is. Chop another line like a coda with a curse. That's uh, more, uh, for those of you that don't know, that's more songwriting reference. codas are at the end of a song that revert back to, it's a spot where you revert back to er earlier. And he's once again interjecting his Love of, uh, uh, of all things meth with chopping another line. You have to chop up uh, meth in order to snote it. Coda with a curse. So it's a coda, which is beautiful parts of sign songwriting, uh, it, whereas adding the curse of drug use along with it, yada, yada, yada. This guy's got it all figured out, and we don't. Come on like a freak show takes the stage. Yeah, the coda with a curse thing is, is one thing that I think is, uh, is clever. I think that's a. I think Do that's you? a. I think it's a clever lyric. Okay. All right. Chop enough. another line like a coda with a curse. Like it's just, uh, it's become repi it's, repetitive. It, it's going back to the beginning, so it is cyclical. You're right. I yeah. mean, it is. It is. So if you're unfamiliar, I think Seth kind of touched on it, but in case you didn't, unless you haven't studied music theory, yeah, yeah. a coda is is where an end happens and goes back to another part, and then goes back, and you can a coda can make something go on in perpetuity it's also an underrated led zeppelin record oh that too yeah um yeah come on like a freak show takes the stage we give them the games we play do you have any idea what the fuck that means i think that once again talking about the drug come on like a freak show takes the stage when it starts to have you ever seen anybody on meth have you ever seen someone on it I'm sure I have. Okay, you know. they look like freaks. They look like clowns moving around, twittering, jittering, picking at themselves. Using Twitter, yeah, twittering. I mean, jittering. Jittering is the is the proper word. You know, it's, uh, gotcha. Just freaking out. You know, yeah. for nothing, grabbing at themselves, Shaking. pulling at themselves, just making no sense. So I can't understand where he's talking about coming on like a freak show. You know, like when that takes the stage when the drugs finally hit. But we give them the games we play. She say. Lost me. Maybe Again. maybe we give them meth. Maybe that's the game they play to try and... I don't fucking know. she say? Again, there he I, is trying I think to a lot of these lyrics. lines I'm just going to kind of give up on. Yeah. I Unfortunately, I don't have like a huge history with crystal meth. I say it unfortunately. I, I, it's fortunate. No, you're fortunate. Um, you're yeah. not. I want something else to get me through this semi-charm kind of life. Baby, baby, I want something else not listening when you say goodbye 
Mark, can we agree that this is the worst falsetto in any song ever in popular music? It's up there. It's bad, man. It's, it's totally, totally awful. I mean, it is that goodbye that you hear is just, ugh. It is, if there's anything musically that he should have left out of this song, I think that's it. It's it's terrible. Yeah, I don't know how necessary it is for sure. Uh, I don't know. Um, trying to be more than what he is, I suppose. Well, I mean, there's whole not a whole lot to, to talk about here. I will say, I think it's kind of interesting. The original lyric was, I want nothing else. But it ended up getting changed to I want something else, which um, I think has a lot more to do with the song. Mm-hmm. It changes it, certainly. Yes, it does, uh, a if lot. If nothing else. Um, but I think yeah. he's turned a corner, probably doesn't want to get involved with this shit anymore. Maybe, I don't know. But yeah. that's that's what it seems like to me. Once again, I don't the, know the motivations of this douchebag. But um, to get me through this semi-charm kind of life, I think that's pretty simple. Uh, I'm not listening when you say goodbye. The, uh, uh, the creep meter ticks up just a hair there. I'm not listening when you say goodbye. I don't know if it's like, I'm not going to let you leave. If that's the feeling we're getting here, or I just don't care. Um, you know, we're just, I'm just going to pretend like you're staying around and not actually fix the problem. Mm. Uh, but definitely ticked a little bit of the box for me. Okay, I get it. Um, we get some more doot doot doos. Verse 2. And then we get the second verse, yes. The sky was gold, it was rose, I was taking sips up into my nose, and I wish I could get back there someplace back there, smiling in the pictures you would take. Doing crystal meth will lift you up until you break, it won't stop. I won't come down, I keep stock with a tick-tock rhythm, a bump for the drop, then I bumped up. I took the hit that I was given, then I bumped again, then I bumped again, I said. I've always heard bump as a reference to cocaine use. Me too. When I was younger, I heard, I want to know the bump. You know? Um, however, bumps aren't just for coke anymore, kids. I guess not, no. Bumps are for anything that you can get in a powder form, including Stephen Jenkins' old friend. So here is where we first hear um, specifically what he's talking about. Um, and then he is talking about Yudralgrip, which is Crystal <laughs> Beth backwards. So, um, you know, I'm kind of surprised that um, you know, she goes down on me, didn't get blurbed. Um, hey. but the words crystal meth did. I think crystal meth is uglier than going down. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I think it, they finally got it right. If, for once, they'll, yeah. They'll, they'll allow someone getting shot in the chest, but they won't allow some titties on I, the screen. I could not agree more. <laughs> uh, the sky was gold, it was rose. This is in reference to him trying to get Pony Boy to stay gold. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what is, famously. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm taking sips up into my nose is a weird way of not, saying not Stephen Jenkins, mind you, but the person he's talking about the, the wink, wink. Was that a wink? Was that? Is he, <laughs> that was is a he, couple of them. Is he being call me you? Martindale because I'm winking. Oh, um, so cute. <laughs> I was taking sips into my nose up into sips. I picture him with a little meth sippy cup there in yeah. the stroller. <laughs> um, push down the street mama going you want to bump again you want to bump again uh yeah taking uh so the genius annotation here says taking sips of the sky is a metaphor for snorting a line of crystal meth it's a genius with a stretch the genius stretch i i i don't know if it is to be honest with I, you. I, i'm gonna think this one is i'm gonna think this is somebody that you know maybe it's a regional thing maybe yeah you know at best i've never heard that i've never 
Um, well, you know, again, I'm not a... Uh, Let's n- discount those people in Northern California that are living, sitting on their hardwood floors enjoying Mommy and Daddy's Trust Fund. <laughs> I mean... Um, well, there is a, a kind of meth called Blue Sky. Oh. Um, you sure not? You're just not talking about the one that was on Breaking Bad? Well, I'm thinking that's kind of what that's based off oh, of. Oh, really? Okay. Um, but, you know... Once again, don't know a lot about meth, you know, use... Well, I will tell you that that is from bedrockrecoverycenter.com. Hmm, they would know better than we would. Um, so, you know, maybe I'm wrong. At the end of the day, we're dealing with one of two things. He's either talking about the real sky and doing meth, or he's just talking about doing meth. So six and one. We all wind up in the same the place. Other. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, doing crystal meth will lift you up until you break. I mean, you know. Again, pretty self-explanatory. Not very poetic. No. No. But no good. Devices. Just yeah. tell me, just tell me what's up. Yeah. All right. It won't stop. I won't come down. I keep stock with a tick-tock rhythm, a bump for the drop. So, you know, I hear the Beastie Boys. You can't, you won't, and you don't stop. I you know, it's just uh, that was about around the same time, wasn't it? They um, seem to influence everything at that period. Yeah. They kind of did. Maybe he got that from... I'm making a joke, but maybe he got that from that. Um, I won't stop. I won't come down. Have you ever seen anybody on... Have you ever seen anybody on cocaine? Yes. I mean, they just... Once they, they rev and then the next... Uh, you know, for 10 minutes and then they spend the next couple of hours just looking for the next bump, you know? Yeah, I, I, mean, think, so. I think that... All, I think this verse is the most... Um understandable you know if you if you take it apart it won't stop i won't come down Mm -hmm. i keep stock i'm paying attention to how high i am how long i've been high Mm -hmm. with a tiktok rhythm so like i'm i'm keeping time and a bump for the drop when i know i'm going to drop down then i bumped up yeah i took the hit that i was given then i bumped again then i bumped again this is the coda if you we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about the perpetuity, right? Right. We're talking about getting high, and as soon as you know you're falling, Mark, Mark stop is... where you are. Stop where you are. Don't try to convince me that these are good lyrics. I'm not saying they're good. I'm, are we going? Are we going through a come on Eileen moment where we're going into this, <laughs> where you know, thinking we're going to shred it, and it winds well, up being good? I'll tell you, I didn't. I did not come in here thinking that we were going to that I was going to say that these lyrics were bad. Okay, this is to me mm-hmm. a you didn't know this song was about this. Mm-hmm. This to me was more of a hey uh yeah yeah than it was a uh, Californication. For any of us um, that have been around drugs, you can look at it and say that's exactly what it is. Yeah, you but know. I mean this is standard fare. Yeah, I, I mean I would say that it's with the Coda thing, it's clever. Yeah, um, there's definitely some stupid shit in the first verse, but definitely. this is. Pretty, you know, he doesn't mention the coda here, but I was winding it kind of back to the coda, saying that you know he's he's just in that he's in that he's in that loop. There's definitely some dumb shit in here. This is I'm what, what I'm this saying. is what addiction yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So then we get to the pre-chorus. How do I get back there to the place where I fell asleep inside you? How do I get myself back to the place where you said? On this, we have the benefit of a genius explanation, um, and I'm not saying that it's right. I'm just saying that I don't know how to take that first line, and I'm going to go to genius. I'm going to reference them. The lyrics is probably a double entendre. It suggests that the narr- narrator falling asleep inside of his drug habit and alternately falling asleep uh, inside of the female character mentioned in the song 
because of the exhaustion of an extended meth binge. Yeah, I think it's. I think I. I don't think there's a double entendre here. My gut tells me the. You know, and he has told us that the song is about drug addiction. Mm-hmm. I think he has now reached a point in the song where he's taken the hit that he was given, then he bumps again, then he bumps again, mm-hmm. and he realizes like. My life is out of control. How do I get myself back to mm-hmm. the place where we would fuck until we were fucking um, yes. tired? I think what you and see then is I what you get. Fell yeah. asleep inside you. Yeah, like, yeah. How do I? How do I get out of this meth coda? Instead of rolling <laughs> off, I stayed on. Stayed there. Or and they just, probably you know, don't fuck at all now. You maybe, know, yeah. they're they're probably just constantly staying high, or he's constantly staying. I'm sorry. Not him. No, no. The character that we're talking about, the right. character that Stephen Jenkins, the people he witnessed, ex meth lover, um, was talking about in in this Primus show. Um, and then we get the chorus again. He kind of rolls into the place where you said, "I want something." Yeah. Yep. To get me through this semi charm kind of life, baby, baby, I want something else. I'm not listening when you say goodbye and then we get um this bridge how do you feel about the music on it well you know this whole bridge is kind of weird i think I, so too it's not the strong point of the song in well my and i i think that i think you're right and i think that the thing that proves it is how much it's been bastardized in different edits okay i think in some versions of this it's been excised completely mm. in some of them it's been just kind of cut in half um, it makes me mad. <laughs> it's so like it is showing his San Francisco like, dude, peace. Like it's showing his like, I don't know, groovy side or whatever. His. Uh, yeah, his groovy side, his neoliberalism, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just it's not my style. I believe in the sand beneath my toes. The beach gives a feeling, an earthy feeling. I believe in the faith that grows, and the four right chords can make me cry. When I'm with you, I feel like I could die, and that would be all right. All right. All right. So, you know, we just, this is some. Yeah, 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 dude, you're right. This was written by a shithead that all of a sudden wanted to sound like, oh, I'm not completely. He realized all of a sudden I'm not wrapped up in this shit. I was just watching other people. Hold on. I got to sound like a good guy. Hold on. You know, and I believe in this. Definitely a walk on the ocean moment. I'm snorting lines of crystal meth and then I believe in the sand beneath my toes. It's like, well, first of all, what do you mean you believe in it? I mean, it's yeah. definitely a real thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Are you trying to say this is like a construct? Yeah. The sand beneath your toes can be a real thing at I a can... beach where sand is. Right. <laughs> I don't know why you, you know, maybe you want to say like, I, I, I miss the sand beneath my toes. I love the sand beneath my toes. I but, yearn for the feeling. Right, but yeah, I, not, I, believe I believe in it. Yes. Like it's some kind of like This religion. sand props up my character. The beach gives a feeling. Okay? An earthy, An earthy feeling. feeling. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. The beach, the beach gives a <laughs> feeling. Okay? An earthy feeling. All right? And it's kind of funny because... And, you know, maybe this is just kind of the way my mind works. But when I think of the earth, I usually think of trees and, like, the forest. Or, like, the loam on a farm or something like that. I don't really think of, like, the beach. No. Giving you an earthy feeling. I feel like it, 
I mean, it is the Earth, so I can't say he's wrong. I I heard I I read these and just thought to myself, oh, thanks, douchebag. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just such a douchey line. I believe in the faith that grows if it couldn't get any douchier. Right. I believe in that. I put my faith in the sand and the beach and the earthy feeling. The Fuck beach, a source of fun and excitement for teens and young adults, could be symbolic of cleansing in this verse. The grains of sands between his toes are a type of potion. This is an actual potion. thing that was written. A potion. potion that removes the sin and addiction from his body. Oh. And the four right chords are symbolic of heavenly music, telling him his soul has been cleansed. Mark, Mark, that's all that we need at these rehab centers. Just some beach sand and a potion. Just to get all that nasty meth out of their bodies so they won't forget about anything. They can believe in the faith that grows when they get the sand beneath their toes. Dickheads. I'm sorry. This is this is this is the this is the type of shit that we're here for, man. This is garbage. And then we get the next part. And when the plane came in, she said she was crashing. The velvet it rips in the city. We tripped on the urge to feel alive. Now I'm struggling to survive. Those days were wearing that velvet dress. You're the priestess, I must confess. Those little red panties, they pass the test. Slides up around the belly, face down on the mattress, one. Uh, 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 what the... I, well, there's so, multiple mentions of the word velvet here. Yeah. Okay, and they're not just talking about that George Costanza desire, desire to be uh, clad head to toe in velvet 24 hours a day. I don't think that's what he's shooting at. I think he's shooting at maybe velvet is is a maybe some his own word for meth. Velvet it rips in the city. You do know that it has taken over Northern California. It's completely. I mean, it's just one giant methville. Everything. So maybe that's what he's referring to. Um, we tripped on the urge to feel alive. You've heard people say when they do take you know these drugs, these uh, um, stimulants. That, you know, you feel alive when you take them. So, um, but now he's struggling to survive. He's obviously come back down. He's not bumping again, bumping again any, anymore. And those, day, those days you were well, wearing that velvet dress. And I think that once again he's referring to you, you were doing it as well. I think he's admitted that, you know, at this point with the weave tripped on the urge to feel alive, that he's doing it too at this point. You know, it's not looking at it from that outsider's perspective. I think he's saying it, too. Well, the the, the problematic part is what's coming. Well, yeah, so um, I, I do want to, I, I left out purposely earlier the end of the genius annotation for an earlier line, which is um, the four right chords are symbolic of heavenly music telling him his soul has been cleansed. However, the narrator's soul is already tainted, and upon leaving the beach, he snaps back into his drug addiction, as seen in the next line, um, which is, you know, when I'm with you, I feel like I could die and that would be all right. And then the plane came in. She said she was crashing. So now now we're kind of pushed back into reality. So we've gone from this serene, you know, uh, sand beneath my toes, kind of jolted back into reality where mm -hmm. his, you know, the woman that he's that, you know. She says she lives for him. That he comes all is over. Is crashing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, apparently maybe out of out of meth. Uh, the velvet, it rips in the city. I don't know if he's... I mean, he mentions velvet again as her dress. So I don't know if he's saying that, like... 
I don't know if he's trying to be literal here or like you said, if it's trying to be um, he's drawing a comparison or something or making a, you or, know, it's like a, a word that he uses. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe he's saying that the the dress that she, you know, that she wore the velvet dress um, that when she wears it in the city, when they're partying, um, you know, it's not the kind of thing you should be wearing when you're out partying on meth i don't fucking know yeah, to be honest know with you yeah um you know we tripped on the urge to feel alive but now i'm struggling to survive so now we're kind of we've hit rock bottom we're we're doing uh we're not doing so well those days you were wearing that velvet dress you are the priestess the priestess i must confess those little red panties they pass the test uh seth yes what yeah. test do you think they pass the Bechtel test, <laughs> the Wonderlick test. She's gonna oh, play oh. in the NFL. What? Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. gonna. He's, hopefully, he he's gonna be wondering why he's looking down Not there. For long. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I guess they passed the test. You know, hey, as if she didn't pass the test earlier. I don't know. You came over, and you know, we can do whatever you want to do, and come all over you. I mean, as as if she, you know. Maybe he's hearkening back to a time when he first saw her and saw her in them. I don't know. There's there's just so much to unpack in this goddamn song, man. So slide up round the belly, face down on the mattress. One. Why does he say one at the I, end of I, that? I, sentence? I, I don't know, man. I don't. I'm tired of trying to figure this douchebag out. And man. and this so slide up, round the belly, face down on the mattress. I don't know exactly what he's telling her to do. I feel like if I was if I was a woman in this scenario, I'd be like, do do I, wait what? May, I, all I can get out of this is not sexual. Maybe he's her yogi, and they're doing <laughs> you know maneuvers. You I know. need you in downward dog. Yeah, can you please do face down one? You know, yeah, I think, yeah or, that's it. Mattress, mattress one. one, mattress one. It's a yogi position. We've gotten it. We did it, Mark. We figured it out. We got it. Hooray! Oh, high that five. was the worst <laughs> high five of all time. Yeah, it was. And you hold me, <laughs> and we are broken. Still, it's all that I want to do just a little now. Feel myself heavy on the ground. I'm scared. I'm not coming down. No, no. And I won't run for my life. That thing. That shit falsetto. <laughs> that you love. Yeah, it's my favorite. She's got her jaws locked down in a smile, but nothing is all right. All right. All right. Apparently, after all that we've gone through, he just wants someone to hold him. Uh, he just wants someone to be there with him, uh, and we are broken. Um, still, it's all that I want to do. Just oh, I don't. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's it's true. Not. I don't. I don't think that he. I think. I think he is scared, and we're going to find that out here very soon. Uh, I, you know, I think again, it's one of those like ups or downs. You know, okay. he. Uh, you know, he says. I think it's a little bit of, uh, you know, reality, you know, that they uh, he's kind of getting close to back to when he used to fall asleep inside you, mm. um, you know, remind remembering because, you know, he's talking about back in the day, you know, those days you were wearing that velvet dress. You're the priestess, I must confess. Um, I think he was kind of either remembering the past or trying to relive the past. Right. And but you hold at this me point, and we're broken. We're broken. I think this is him admitting to where they are, 
you know, as broken people, broken right. by meth, broken so think, by their I own addictions. I think maybe it's, uh, you know, trying to relive. You remember those days? You remember back when you used to wear the velvet dress? Mm. And, and you know, they're trying to trying to maybe get back there. Um, and then uh, And then he says, still, it's all that I want to do just a little now. Now he wants to get back into doing crystal meth. This comes as no shock to anyone that's ever dealt with somebody that's been on drugs. No. None. You'll so, hear them sit there and yearn for a time when they weren't on drugs and then immediately say, I want some fucking drugs. You know, and I mean, I will say, <laughs> I hate to give this song credit, but, you know, it's coming right out of that quiet part. And then he says, still, it's all that I want to do just a little now. Like, damn. still, you know, hey, this has been great and it's been great reliving this, but God, I'm fucking. I'm. I just. I'm getting pulled in the direction of doing more meth. Of course, just a little. Yeah, just a little now. Feel myself hovering off the ground. I'm scared. I'm not coming down. No, no, and I won't run for my life. She's got her jaws now locked down in a smile, but nothing is all right. All right. People often clench their jaws together after taking methamphetamine. If his partner has her jaws clenched, this could mean she is addicted to meth as well. This is not all right because the narrator now knows others have drug problems as just as bad as his. In addiction, drugs can also make you smile even when you don't want to. People also often take drugs to escape from how terrible life is. So nothing is all right, but she's still smiling due to the drugs and the high. And I think that it's probably worth mentioning that she may also be faking being happy because she, you know, whether she's on meth too, like he is, which she probably is, or she has not done more meth and he is, she is like, oh my God, he's got it bad. Like we were just laying in bed together and then he was like, still, it's all that I want to do right now. And she's just sitting there like, oh my God, like, oh, okay, this, you know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to like be there for you and be, and look happy. But I'm not. So she's either on meth also with a clenched jaw or she knows everything is falling apart. Would you and... call that a little bit of codependency peeking out behind the addiction? Uh, probably. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it looks like. Well, you know, me. I mean, you know, you know, say what you will about drug addicts, but they're usually pretty they're usually pretty intense uh, as far as love is concerned. And they seem to get shit fixed real quickly. <laughs> They seem to find a way to make a buck real fast. Yeah, well, you know, motivation is... Uh... Now, there are more parts to this song. There's more doo 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 doos There's uh, another chorus of I Want Something Else. And then there's a weird outro of The Sky Was Gold, It Was Rosed. I Was Taking Up Sips Into My Nose. I uh, wish I could get there some back. We've already been, we've we've seen that and we've been over it. It's a little bit of a lick into that, uh, into that pre-chorus. Yeah, another, <laughs> another coming back. Um, uh, the only thing that's really different is at the end it says, uh, this guy was gold, it was rose, I was taking sips up into my nose, and I wish I could get back there someplace back there in the place we used to start our lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a little bit different because he's, you know, basically saying, like, I, I, I want to get back to where we were, mm-hmm. which he said before in different ways, but in this way, in this time, he's saying to the place we used to start our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, before and, meth, probably right, you know, yeah. completely before knowing what that was about. Um, and then there's another dude, 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 and I want something else just to round out the very end. Now, Mark, and then bam, bam, bam. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad. Uh, musically, once again, um, I, I as we're sitting here going through it and we've done all that we've done, um, what I'll say to the end of the lyrics is um, I think that I don't like them for the reason of is I'm sitting here and and he's kind of put into words if you've ever dealt with anybody that's been on meth, cocaine, heroin, he's just put it into, ex- I mean, kind of exactly what it is, exactly how it is. And uh, I didn't like dealing with it, and I don't like hearing about it. So that's why I don't like these words. That's That really wraps it up in a nutshell. Yeah, I um, I think that some of it is just kind of squished together because he was more interested in trying to rap than write full sentences. You don't like his style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two things I'll read real quick. Um, there are quotes from him. It's a dirty, filthy song about snorting speed and getting blowjobs. It really is funny that people play it on the radio. The title Semi-Charmed Life refers to a life that's all propped up. You know, the beautiful who lead bright, shiny lives that on the inside are all fucked up. I'm not an advocate for drug use, but I don't preach against it. People should think for themselves when it comes to just about anything. Just about everything. Mm -hmm. Another quote, bright and shiny on the surface, and then it just pulls you down into this lock-jawed mess. The music that I wrote for it is not intended to be bright and shiny for bright and shiny's sake. It's intended to be what the seductiveness of speed is like, represented in music. Billboard magazine described this song as, quote, a more aggressive The Smiths, or a moodier jellyfish. Hmm. Yeah, me too. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. About I that. mean, I get, I get the parallel there, but no, with the happy music, the happy music, with exactly, depressing lines. It's just not the same. Yeah, in, in, in any way, just not from what I know of it. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> that uh, just a lot of him thinking very highly of himself. Yeah, that's that's once you definitely know more about, and I, 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 I would tell people to go out there. I listened to a couple of podcasts. One of them I have right here uh, that was really great. Um, it's from a, a podcast called 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. Third Eye Blind, Semi-char- Semi-Charmed Life. This guy really goes into detail about him uh, in a big way. And uh, it, it, he covers, not, not lyrics like we do, but uh, other aspects of the band the person and things that went on around them and man it, this guy has well, he's got a real hard on for hating mr uh jenkins here this guy and he should so yeah i mean you, he really spills it out there why you probably don't want to but at the same time by the end of it he's like and i like everything that i've ever done it's kind of like where you know you fall in love with the jerk i don't know maybe you do i, I don't I, I mean i i'd have to say that i have any appreciation for anybody in this band it's probably the musicians yeah you know so not him um in 2015 song facts asked stephen jenkins how he felt about the song and he replied the most stephen jenkins fucking possible answer i don't feel like it's really mine whoa it's participating in the experiences that other people are having with it shut yep. up yep just right out of Northern California, fucking dick. Please. Yeah. Uh, you know, look. Mark, Mark. I've been to California. It's nice, but uh, this guy is... Uh, but we got to tell him about the video, man. Oh, Jesus Christ. The video is a whole other fucking thing. It really is. So this is what's very, very strange about the video. I'm sure I saw the video a lot when I was younger. And uh, 
didn't remember it super, super well. And Seth was using the restroom when I first started it. And the very first thing I noticed is there's like a satellite in space. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck is going on here. There's It starts with a satellite in space that looks down into to into America and focuses on a American flag patch mm-hmm. on someone's jacket. Mm-hmm. And then the guy's like driving a motorcycle or whatever. And then there are a bunch of mods for some reason. The guy with the motorcycle, the, the American flag, is that is that Jenkins? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Jenkins is riding a motorcycle at some point in the video. He is. Yes. Yeah, he so is. So it could be him. Could be him. So then he's driving around with a bunch of mods driving Vespa and... Uh, Vespa scooters Vespa all scooters. about San Francisco, it looks like. Yeah. 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 And maybe some Lambrettas in there also. Another famous scooter manufacturer, if you're not uh, too familiar with the mod and or skinhead lifestyle. Very popular, um, you know, 70s. 60s, you know, 70s. 60s. 70s scooters driving him around and he's driving with him uh, i told seth uh, the group of people both in the band and out of the band that are walking around i probably have sex with any of them male or female it's just like the most attractive group of human beings on the face of the they kind of are they really really are you know i mean both in physical gifted beauty and style they look fantastic uh yeah um, and they play and they jump and they make it seem like they San play Francisco a, they're having is the a coolest. band practice and yeah yeah girls are coming in and watching them play and dancing and one of them is twerking pre it's a proto twerk yeah and, this is uh, a very well I don't know what time when twerking actually became a thing I think this was pre twerk ninety seven uh, maybe yeah yeah I don't know well before it got big but yeah. I think it may have been pretty big in New Orleans. Even before then, I mm. think I think that it's predated a while before its popularity. I remember in Hairspray when they go into Motormouth Maybell's record store, they're doing they're listening to the Gong Gong song written by Ike Turner, by the way. Gong 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 Yeah, and everybody in there is twerking. That's my earliest re- re- recollection of twerking. Nineteen eighties twerking. Okay, okay. A type of dance that came out of the bounce music scene of New Orleans in the nineteen eighties. Yeah, uh, <laughs> where performers dance to popular music in a sexually provocative manner, involving throwing or thrusting their hips back or shaking their buttocks, often in a low squatting stance. And we've all been better since. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Um. So, uh, he's they're having band practice, I guess, and everyone's hanging out, listening to their band practice. Um. They uh are driven around on on scooters. Um, they are driving around on motorcycles, some of them. Mm-hmm. There's some more music videos. There are some women that are kissing each other, and then uh, they get, like, you know, a fight. Um, a bunch of Stephen Jenkins by himself mm-hmm. walking around. Covering his mouth during the blurb of the crystal, crystal meth mention, um, you know, kind of playing on that. Yeah, once again, don't know why we... Now, I'm going to read the synopsis on Wikipedia. Please. The band, this is the end of the video. The band continues to perform while a group of young adults dance, argue, and kiss around them. The video ends with a shot of one of the women watching a moon landing on television, noticing that the American flag being planted is reminiscent of the patch in the beginning of the video. Now, the weird thing is that the patch in the beginning of the video was on a satellite. So, for some reason, the satellite (laughs) video is focused in on this guy's flag patch. And at the end, this woman is watching 
for some reason during this band practice with a bunch of other people, she's watching, I'm guessing, a tape of the moon landing. That's what it looks like. From 1969, even those music videos in 1997 or yep. whatever. Yep. And then she has, like, I, I trying to explain it because I don't think Wikipedia does a good job. She She has this realization, oh, my God, that's like the flag that was on that jacket in the beginning. Well, first of all, what is she, the satellite? Because how would she have seen the fucking thing? And second of all, it's the American fucking you know, flag. Why is it shocking to her? You see it every day. <laughs> it's everywhere you are. Yeah. Why are when you're seeing it, you're like, oh, my God, that's a flag on the moon. And the only thing it reminds you of is this patch on a guy's jacket. It's the most bizarre. It seems very conspiracy theory-esque. It's very weird. It is. It's very weird. It's very, very fucking it's, weird. It, it kind of just jumps out at you right at the end there when that flag's there. Not because it's American flag, because it's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Why is it? Why? Why is she shocked by this? Why are we supposed to be? Why shocked is she by only this? relating it to a patch? What message is being sent here? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not weird. quite sure. I think it was just all like I know some is sort that of... now that I now want to overthrow the government. I don't know. All, <laughs> all of a sudden, I. It's, it, I think it's like a winter oh soldier. I suddenly had this compelling feeling to go to Ace Hardware and buy a flag. Is it Flag Day? Fourth of July? What are we close to? Can we make know. it Flag Day? Yeah, I I don't know. I'm not sure. Mark. Yeah. How cre- you get to go first time this this time? How how creepy is this song? Well, I mean, it, Mark, it's creepy. Yeah. And you you did mention at one point, you know that 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 the meter goes up. Well, the first know. thing I want to say is that it seems like everything in the video in the song is consensual. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want to make that abundantly clear. Right. So, I don't think that we're dealing with you know some of the stuff we usually have to deal with. But we are talking about doing a lot of drugs and having a lot of sex. I'm going to give it a four five. That's fair. Um, I see um a lot of times drugs being used to control people in situations and a lot of times it's males using it to lord their power over females to give them what they want which is more sex and i see that abundantly all throughout this not just in the mentioning of the panties going up and the and the uh, the yoga moves and the you know you can't get away from me and stuff like that which is why i'm going to go and like you said to a degree it's consensual Sort of, um, but it's going to go up higher for me. I'm going to take it to like a 5.8. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I felt weird having the word four come out of my mouth. It feels like it should be a little lower, a little higher. But for that reason, I think um, I think that a four is good for me. Okay. I don't know if that makes any sense. That's fine. Um, Next up, we're going to do another just straight up bad lyrics let's do it we're gonna do a song by the band the offspring which have abundantly bad lyrics yes. all of i can't stand the offspring yeah still don't got, like them they've got a bunch do um, you want what's oh i gotta save it for next week yeah i gotta save it so uh, and i will i'm gonna give you two options all right mm-hmm. we're gonna i'm gonna give you two songs um and I'm going to have you choose. Now, I don't know how well you know either of these songs, but I think that it'll be interesting. Would you rather do Pretty Fly for a White Guy? I hate it. Or Want You Bad? This is a hard, this is a really hard decision to make. I'm going to say Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say that. 
All right. Next up, we're going to do Pretty Fly for a White Guy by the Offspring. We will table Want You Bad for another time. Yeah, I just I feel like this one. It's a different kind of bad. We've done some complicated ones lately, some ones that, that require a lot of thought. This one doesn't. I don't like it. It's stupid. I know the lyrics are stupid. We need some low-hanging fruit for once. Yeah, and so, it it's there. Yeah. So go ahead and listen to uh, Pretty Fly for a White Guy by The Offspring. Try not to vomit. Yeah, and I, I don't. Uh, I don't. It's it's strange because I don't think that they think the song is good, but it's still like you said, low hanging fruit. It should never been on the radio. Yeah, it should never shouldn't have ever been written. No, uh, Seth, anything you want to say before we sign off? Today? I have so much fun with you. I, this is a blast. However, that damn weather's just too nice not to mm. be out in. So I'm gonna go out and do that. Please yeah, do, yeah, and I hope you have a good day. I hope that uh, the rest of the week is good for you. We have a new Discord page on the No Nonsense yes. uh, on the No Nonsense Discord page. There's a hashtag lyrics to go. We've had a couple of conversations on there. I interjected myself yesterday when I finally found out about it. <clears throat> it's fun. It's it's fun to go there and get uh, wrapped up in the conversations on there. Uh, of course, we we do have the Facebook. Don't hesitate to leave anything on there, and I'll I'll keep you updated with Instagrams. Just to remind you that the shows are coming out on Mondays. But um, more than anything, you know, go out and tell a couple of friends. That's the best way of letting people know. And uh, also, go out there and find a bunch of bad lyrics that you've paid attention to and suggest those ideas to us. We love them. Mark? Yes, Clay Dunker um, was very kind enough to uh, give us a nice little shout out, like mentioned to me that he had kind of put off listening to our podcast because he thought, no nonsense was always needed, but he heard the Hey I episode and was into it, and uh, and uh, I appreciate that. Yes, I do. And too. so you know, don't put it off. Tell some people, maybe push somebody to to give us a listen and see if they like us. If they don't, that's fine. Grab their phone, open their favorite podcast uh, uh, streaming streaming service, yep. and then put no nonsense in it. Hit it, hit subscribe, and then hand it back to them. And then do the same thing for lyrics to go because that's the podcast we are. That's. <laughs> but do it for I just no have to mention? Me, I I don't know if I've said this before, but no nonsense. Technically, is my favorite podcast. It's the well, one that, that that really really got me into listening to podcasts on a regular basis. I listen when it came out on fr on Monday. I listened to. It. I loved going into work and putting my headphones on and goes. just sinking myself into work and that podcast. And now I do that on Fridays. And I still love it. I, I, I'm, I, as for those of you that don't know, that only know me from this, I am a trivia hound. Yes, it is something that I, you he know, kind of wave a flag over, and I love very much. And so that's why I mentioned it. But yes, go out there, tell your friends about lyrics to go, and no nonsense. And uh, and please have a wonderful week. If you're in Florida, enjoy this weather. And Mark, Seth, tune in next week for more lyrics to go. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, you can send them to lyrics to go pod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week. <laughs>